0: Hello and welcome to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast. Every week, Talking Heads will bring you in-depth insights and analysis through the lens of sustainability on the topics that really matter to investors. In this episode, we'll be discussing the macroeconomic outlook for Europe. I'm Daniel Morris, Chief Market Strategist, and I'm delighted to be joined by Anaïs Poussier, Senior European Economist. Welcome, Anaïs, and thanks for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me, Daniel. Great to be here.
0: So, Anaïs, when we think about how things looked at the beginning of the year, uh, it was actually a quite optimistic perspective. We thought we had Europe recovering or coming out of lockdowns, reopening trades. We had all the next generation EU money that was going to be spent. Uh, And needless to say, over halfway through the year, it's not turned out quite that way. And not only clearly the challenges that the conflict in Ukraine has presented, but if we look at what's going on in the US, I I wonder if we hadn't underestimated the challenges that inflation was going to pose, even if, again, we put the conflict uh, aside. And now, really, when we talk about what may happen in Europe, it's kind of variations on, on not particularly attractive scenarios. So let's really dive right into it. If we look at the euro area economy, Do you see it falling into a recession? And if so, how bad is it going to be?
1: So the short answer to this question, Daniel, is yes. We think that the euro area economy is, is heading towards a recession. We actually have had a recession penciled in in our forecast for a couple of months now because we initially took the view that the situation on the energy front was going to get worse ahead of the winter because countries had to fill in their gas storage in a more competitive environment. But when we look at the situation now and we compare it to our initial forecast, the situation has worsened much faster than we had expected. Firstly, on the energy crisis, it has intensified over the summer. You have seen gas and electricity price skyrocketing. And, you know, as you mentioned, the road is going to be bumpy with the latest announcement by Gazprom. But secondly, when we look also at economic momentum and the set of data that we have had for both July and August, we have seen a much sharper deterioration than what we had anticipated. So if you take the PMIs, for instance, uh, the manufacturing sector has been falling to contractionary territory, and that's because of supply issue, energy price being high, but also lower demand. And I think that the other important message from the PMI is, is that it's not only about manufacturing. If you look at growth in the services sector, it actually has started losing momentum much more rapidly than what we had anticipating. That means that, you know, we we were expecting the reopening boost to last a longer period of time than it is actually lasting. And this, in part, uh, is attributable to the cost of living crisis, which is hitting consumers' disposable income. And if you look at other, you know, forward-looking, macro indicators in the area, such as the ZOO or the IFO survey, these continue to deteriorate further in recessionary territory. So if we take all of these together, we have now penciled in a deeper recession over the winter, so for both Q4 2022 and Q1 2023, where we expect the economy is going to contract sequentially by around minus 0.5% importantly uh, we think that the situation on the energy front will likely remain complicated at least until 2024 so we also have penciled in a limited rebound after this winter recession and another period of very weak growth next winter because we think that Europe will probably face the same challenges it is currently facing. And that is going to be the case until it becomes more energy independent from Russia um, and that we're not seeing before 2024
0: well, I have to say, Anais, when I came into this conversation, I wasn't particularly optimistic. I'm mean, even less so now. Uh, clearly challenges ahead on, on the energy front and lasting longer than I imagine any of us anticipated. And of course, the, the problem is that creates Two challenges for us and and for the ECB. On one hand, uh, higher energy prices lowers growth, so hence the risks of recession, falling consumer demand, uh, but it also pushes up inflation. So we have this potential stagflationary environment. So how do you see the outlook then for inflation and then probably as importantly, what does the ECB do about it?
1: Yes, so inflation has continuously surprised to the upside and we think that it is going to to continue being the case in the coming month. If you look at the inflation basket and you break down between the biggest categories, first you can see that the most volatile part of the basket, which is food and energy, we think that these are going to continue to increase sharply in the coming month. So, you know, energy right now is the biggest contributor to the euro area inflation, and we think that higher gas price will continue to put upward pressure on it. So as a rule of thumb, for every 100 percent increase in gas, headline inflation will rise by around 0.6%. And we think that, you know, although electricity price has also increased a lot, we think that it's going to be less of an issue on electricity inflation. The reason being that the European Commission is currently working on some EWOD measures, uh, which will try to contain the rise um, in wholesale electricity price. This is a solution that has already been implemented in Spain and Portugal, and that has worked pretty well. Similarly, the second volatile part of the basket is the food inflation And we think that, you know, this again, it has not peaked yet and it is even becoming a bigger part of the basket as Europe has to deal with a series of shocks such as the conflict in Ukraine, but also very challenging weather conditions over the summer. But it's also not only about those volatile categories. It's not only about energy and food. If you look at core inflation, it is also rising and it is getting increasingly more broad based, which is worrying. We think core inflation has not picked. It is actually going to continue to rise because you're going to have higher energy price, which are going to put upward pressures on production costs. And at the same time, you have the weakening euro, which means higher imported prices for certain goods. Nevertheless, we think that, you know, core goods will eventually start decelerating as supply issues are easing, which is something that is already evident in the PMIs, but that will likely happen throughout the years of 2023. Which brings me to your second question about the ECB. So the ECB is facing an environment where there is higher inflation, higher inflation expectation, a depreciating euro, and also more recently, more hawkish comments coming from certain ECB governing council member and that's despite a lower growth environment so this is something that has been highlighted by Isabel Schnabel one of the board member of the European Central Bank which you know suggests that a 75 basis point hike at the September meeting is highly likely after that given our inflation outlook we think that the ECB will do two 50 basis point hikes one in October and one in December and the last one in Q1 of 25 basis point hike. This means that we have the terminal rate in Europe at around 2%, which is the upper range of where certain governing council members see neutral being, namely between 1 and 2. We think that it might be complicated for the ECB to go above 2%, given the risk to the outlook, but also given that it makes sparkle some debt sustainability issues. There is a point where the ECB might have to trigger its TPI transmission protection instrument to ensure monetary policy is transmitted evenly across countries. But so far, some of the details, namely on the trigger points and modalities of the tools remain vague.
0: Now, we've talked a lot about monetary policy, but I think one of the key lessons with COVID and the lockdowns uh, has been the importance of of fiscal policy. And in a sense, if we look at the recessions we had with the lockdowns, it wasn't really anywhere near as bad as it would appear if you just looked at the decline in GDP because governments replaced a lot of the income that consumers, that businesses lost because of the recession. And so the actual effect was comparatively mild. Can they follow that same model here? Can they just pay everyone's uh, gas and electricity bills and and that way uh, we don't have to worry about the impact? Or is it different now given what's happening with interest rates and inflation?
1: So, yes, you're you're definitely right. I mean, someone will have to absorb this shock, as it was the case during COVID, but this time this is an inflationary shock. There are various economic agents that could absorb this shock. It can be households, it can be corporates, and it can be governments. What we have seen so far, since the beginning of the conflict in Ukraine, is that governments have announced very generous fiscal response to help protect the households and businesses. so so far if you total them up together it's around it's worth around 300 billion um, euros um, and these announcements were actually made before the sharp price in energy the sharp price in energy price which we saw over the summer as such we think that governments in the euro area will continue to remain flexible on fiscal spending in the coming month. Actually, over the weekend, the German government announced the creation of a new fiscal package, potentially worth 65 billion euros. And we wouldn't be surprised if more was to be announced in the coming weeks. Having said that, you are totally right. We think that governments will also have to be pragmatic when it comes to public spending. First, because expansionary fiscal policy can lead to more inflation, which is something that they want to avoid. But second, you're also in an environment where interest rates are rising, which means higher debt servicing costs. And finally, the ECB is no longer using quantitative easing. It means that a larger part of the government issuance needs to be absorbed by private markets. As such, to avoid the market worrying about sovereign defaults, government won't be able to massively increase issuance, and some of these new fiscal measures might have to be revenue neutral meaning paid through either rising taxes elsewhere or spending reduction. The final point that I would make on this topic is that if the situation was to deteriorate sharply, we wouldn't rule out the possibility of a new EU-wide fiscal response to alleviate the pressure on sovereign rates markets. The European Union crisis usually lead to important changes, and it could also be the case this time around.
0: If I could summarize what you've shared with us, Anaïs, probably the key point is that likely to see a recession in the euro area and also uh, a recent change in your thinking is an appreciation that the, the situation with the energy market is going to remain difficult, remain challenging, probably until 2024. What does that all mean? Uh, continued high inflation, not only food and energy, but core inflation? And as a response to that, anticipating the ECB is going to hike 75 basis points at the next meeting, uh, with more hikes after that to reach a 2% terminal rate. If we think then about the responses of governments who try to mitigate uh, the shock from the higher energy prices, we've already seen significant fiscal support announced by governments, and you anticipate there will be more to come. However, in contrast to what we had with the lockdowns and the pandemic, it's not going to be quite so easy to just issue debt to support businesses, to support consumers, because, of course, interest rates are higher, as is inflation. Well, Anais, thank you very much for joining me.
1: It was great to be here.
0: That's it for this week's episode of Talking Heads. If you would like more information, please reach out to your BNP Paribas Asset Management contact or check out Viewpoint, our new website for investment insights at viewpoint.bnpparibas-am.com. If you like Talking Heads, please leave us a positive review and a nice rating. We recommend subscribing to Talking Heads on your favorite podcast channel. You'll receive your podcast episodes every Monday afternoon. You've been listening to the BNP Paribas Asset Management Talking Heads podcast with me, Daniel Morris, and Anaïs Boussier, Senior European Economist. Please do join me next week. Until then, take care. This presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management.